0: Hey guys, this is The Muddy Coleslaw here, bringing you another installment of The Muddy Coleslaw Podcast. I am your host, The Muddy Coleslaw. And I'm his co-host, Andrew. What's going on, everybody? And we're joined here with filmmaker-slash-author-slash-illustrator, Lou Pesci.
1: How you doing?
0: So, uh, Lou, let's uh, get started in this interview. Um, so, tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, upcoming uh, book projects.
1: Uh, a little bit. I got interested in art when I was three years old. First drawing I did was a dinosaur, T-Rex. I still remember it to this day. And uh, currently I'm finishing four books. Two are commissioned and two are books I both offered and illustrated. One is a children's book and one is a graphic novel. The two commissioned books are... um, one is actually the both short poem stories. And uh, I was really attracted to the both authors' work. That's why I agreed to do them. One is uh, more spiritual, and one is sort of a political satire.
2: Mm. And
1: they're both polar opposites, but, man, they're a lot of fun, both of them. So I've been having a blast. Each The one project I haven't started yet, the, the one that's a little more spiritual, the other one I've been working on for six months and the artwork is really awesome. So I'm having a blast with it.
0: Oh, really? That That's interesting. Is it going to be formatted to um, those who are familiar with your other work? Is it similar to how you did the Edgar Allan Poe book where it had um, like the poem and then like there was illustrations behind it or is it you doing something completely unique with this book?
1: Um, It's different because it, Poe what I tried to do with the Poe book was create something that looked very disturbed because and then the poems are disturbing as are the short stories this is a satire on you know pretty much world history it, it throughout starts in the Stone Age and then it ends up you know with the current state the world's in and since it's a satire it's done with more of a satirical look and the artwork you know represents that and it's been a blast i've had a lot of fun uh the author is someone i really i respect their work so when they asked me to illustrate their stuff i was you know pretty happy to do that and we, you know he's paying me nicely as well so i can't argue with that
2: <laughs>
0: can't so, um, argue with good pay right so, do you draw any inspiration from like political cartoons since you're doing like a satire of um, um, politics and stuff like that or like the world it's history? Been,
1: it's been, I've been influenced a lot by the far side for the look of the artwork. But the art's my own style, but you know, it's not dark, it's, it's, it's witty. So, you know, there, it, it has to have humor. Like at one point, the central character is instructing cavemen how to kill somebody using a rock and it's funny, you know, and I came up with the setting, which, you know, I was talking to the writer. He's like, Oh, we need to do this. I'm like, okay, well I have this additional idea and I, I put it into almost like a classroom setting. So it's hilarious, you know, but you have to see the image because it it is a visual and, um, you know, they're all sitting around a campfire as this this sent this this quote villain teaches them how to use a rock the, the character sort of as symbolic of the devil basically and um, it's fascinating you know yet the character who wrote the piece is an atheist but that's a whole different story you know I find it interesting because it's more of a metaphor for how you know greed and villainy will always be entrenched in culture and uh, it, I, I loved it the instant I read the poem I was like wow I could see a whole book out of that. So I'm really excited that it's done, you know? It took yeah. six months to do the artwork, and I look at it now and go, wow, I'm really I'm proud of that project.
0: So when you get, like, commissioned for these projects, right, so when he came to you for the, like, initial idea, did you automatically start, like, getting, like, sparks of interest, or is it more of, like, the further you read on into, like, what he wanted, did you um, start to find That was
1: actually... Let, let me, both of these books, I, I go to a poetry group, and the, um, both of these books, they're, they're poems, and what's neat about them, I heard them read. So I talked to the respective authors, each author, and I said, you know what, they would make great books. So they they were familiar with my work. And uh, they, they, they liked the idea, so that's how it came about. I actually approached them, and uh, it's, it's been a really great journey. You know, they didn't have to go with it. I mean, heck, it's not an easy process to making a book. You know, this, this one has, I guess, and I don't know, it's only a 12-page book, but there's about 40 different pieces of art for it you know and um each piece of art really contributes to the story so um you know I guess what I'm trying to say is on these these instances that was more like um I reached out to them I have been I, I was commissioned by a man who was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize once and I did his work and that was really awesome to work with him
0: so is this, uh, you know, it, it seems like you quite enjoyed this project. Would you say that this is like your favorite um, illustration process you've gone through? Or do you like some do, of your more original you know stories what? like Billiard and the Bronto or even your like uh, time travel book that you're working on? Or?
1: They're all, I like every project. You know why? It's each one is a unique challenge. And uh, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to work with people. And uh, so far, all I can say is, you know, every piece I've been been fortunate enough to work with, I really enjoy. It, you know, uh, it's a challenge though because I never did a political satire, so I'm really enjoying that. And that's I guess that's why I wanted to do it because it was a unique, uh, you know, it's called Little Men, and it, it's hilarious. It'll be out probably in the next two months, but it, it's really it. it it made me laugh. When the guy read the thing, I was like, God, that should be a book, man. It's it's just genius, you know? So I, I really, I'm just grateful to be part of it. It's been a wonderful ride.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So have you found that, um, you know, it, is, it, is like, uh, going from like different mediums of artwork, do you find like similar, patterns in it like i know that you also have done like uh filmmaking and stuff like that and may have made props in the past have you ever drawn from like you find elements in your own style from like the painting of the canvas to how you make a certain prop look in real life
1: okay i think what you're asking me is um when i do a painting is it a similar process as to when I do build something in the physical world, physically three-dimensional, like a sculpture, like be it a mask or whatever? Is that the question you're asking?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I know I put that a little bit complex, and sometimes I drift off a the Well, it wasn't that you put it
1: complex. I just needed to make sure I answered it right. You right. Because I don't like it. Um, well, yeah, because it's the same process you still have to draw it out so you draw the swing out be it a a mask or be it a you know like for this book I'm illustrating a lot of times I did rough sketches first before I did the finished illustration and I'd sit down and show the the author and say hey this is what I'm thinking about then he might have an idea then we would go back and forth and um you know end up with a finished image which is you know that's the fun of it all when you get to sit down and bounce ideas back and forth with another creative person it's awesome you know because you got two people who are both interested in telling a story and in the end you know the image will hopefully be stronger you know you're not always going to agree but when you take your ego out of it which that's not always easy to do because there have been times I had to say, okay, this isn't what I agree. Then I would take a step back and say, but you know what? This is, uh, it does work. You know, when you, when you do that, it makes the project stronger. I think, you know?
0: Yeah. So have you ever, uh, speaking on like, you know, how you said about, how, like, you might not agree on something. Has there ever been, like, a time where you didn't, like, you had a vision to begin with, but as you went along, you've changed it and say, you know what? My first uh, idea, say if you were drawing, like, an elf, like, maybe you go, mm, I didn't like how I did the nose on this. And, like, have you ever, like, went back sure. and, like, have originally critiqued your own original vision and made it better? Or Oh, God.
1: Go ahead. Sure. yeah. I, I do that every day. Sometimes I make it better. Sometimes I end up wrecking it.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, um, because that's the problem with art. If you're not careful, uh, you can destroy a piece too. You know. Um, I'd like to say I don't do that anymore, but I do it a lot less. Uh, but no, I I've destroyed many pieces of art because of that. You know.
3: Have you ever had a uh piece of art where you think you're go- like you're going back to critique it and you think that you've destroyed it but then you actually sit on it for a little bit and you decide sure. like oh it could work better going this <laughs> direction
2: absolutely
1: i what i do a lot of times it depends on what medium i'm working with if i'm working with a physical canvas And I think I wrecked it. I'll put the the canvas, like, out of my eyesight for a couple of weeks. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: I'll look at it, like, you know, two weeks later and see if I can, if I see something worth saving in there. Um, What's beautiful about digital, because I love to draw with my computer, all these books I do, they're all drawn on the computer because it saves money. I mean it it really does. I used to hate the idea of digital art until I tried it and then I said, "Well, what do I hate about this? It's it's really no different than, you know, any other medium. It's just you're not working with physical paint, but you're still drawing it. With digital, you get the advantage of trying different ways of doing something. So I might say, "Oh, this would look better blue as opposed to orange." And um I can do that. And if it doesn't, then uh, that's okay because I still have the original,
3: you know?
0: Absolutely. Now, where would you stand on, uh, do you like things like projects to work on where like you would have to do like more of a, like a more, I I don't want to say like bare bones, but like more of like a middle, a minimalistic approach to like how features are designed, like on like, say if you're going to, Paint somebody's like a face on a character or like a creature. Would you like to take? Do you right. think less is more in that sense, or do you like to get more elaborate with your character designs?
1: You know, I, I think it depends on the given. Oh, it always, I mean, look, this book I'm working on, Little Men, it's different. I mean, I'm working on a children's book, which is done. That's Theo's Adventures in Time. And then I'm working on a graphic novel, a vampire one, a sequel to my first Nosferatu. This one has taken almost two years to do all the artwork, and it should be done in the next week, all the art. And each one is so drastically different. And what I like is just to challenge myself, you know? And I think that's the best way to approach it. It's like um, I I enjoy when I get to get a good challenge. And that's, that's really why I took on the little man project, because I had never worked on a political satire. And I was like, wow, this is really fun, you know, because I love the far side. I like all those uh, great cartoons that tackled that, you know, the comic strips, I should say, not cartoons, the, ca- the comic strips in that time period that tackled that stuff. But they did it with, you know, finesse. And that's, that's what made it interesting. So, um, you know, I, I think as an artist, what I enjoy is diversity more than anything else.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, what do you do with the, um, the artworks that you've produced that like, you know, wouldn't you, that like wouldn't fit into the books or have you been able to incorporate like all of the pictures you've done or all the, um, drawings or paintings i should say for like the books have um, you ever had like an image that you go okay this would this wouldn't really capture what i thought or whatever would you put that as sort of like at the back of the book where you would put like oh here's some uh concept art i've yeah, done I, I've that done. didn't really fit sure. i i have done that
1: it's, and that's 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 cool to do you know um sometimes i just don't bother using them and keep them for something maybe in the future. You know, uh, it, it depends, you know, I mean, there's, I guess I'm saying there's no clean answer. How's that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, art is always has many, many layers to it and, you know,
1: it does. And, uh, I think that's what makes it fun. Yeah. You know, cause it's never, people it's fun it's never easy to create something you know people seem to think oh you just sit down and no it's a lot of work um but it's a lot of fun too you know and i'm I'm grateful that i have that this talent it serves me well and i'm really grateful you know for the opportunity to work with some of these people they've really you know the the children ah the, the one I'm doing, the one that's kind of spiritual, that one's so great. I mean, and I it, it's it deals with sprites and um, it's just a really uplifting message. Mm. and I think people will enjoy it. so that's the, that's the one I'm tackling after it. and I'm excited because again it's I've never done something like that before. you know so it'll be it'll be a good challenge. And it's based on a real person too. So that's, that's another neat thing. It's not their life story, but the character is based on a real person. So it'll be fun to, to tackle.
0: Hmm. Now do you, now who would you say, um, is your biggest inspiration for your like artwork and stuff like that? Is it? Wow, dude, that's, that's a good question.
1: Um, And my answer is not an easy answer because I have multiple influences. So bear that in mind. Um, in the comic book world, we'll look at that first. Um, some of my favorite comic book artists are Frank Miller, Dave Massicelli, um, I like uh, Dave McKean, and also. Um, Who the hell else? I'm trying to think of the guy. I know Grant Morrison was one of the writers on Arkham Asylum, and I think it was illustrated by Dave McKean, but that's one of my favorite graphic novels. And um, so they've always been big influences on me. Um, Art is art-wise outside the graphic realm. Picasso and Dolly are two of my heroes. I also really like. Um, I'm a big fan of Hieronymus Bosch, and uh, Monet is another one of my heroes. So, those those are some of my those are some. Um, I don't know. Oh, H.R. Giger too. Let's throw him in there. I, I love his work. Mm. Do you know who he is?
0: H- I, I, th- I know of H R Geiger, the guy who did uh, the artwork and stuff for Alien. Well, I've,
1: I've heard it. I've heard it pronounced Geiger, but I've heard it both ways. Yeah. Um. So, but but he is the man who designed Alien, and uh, he he unfortunately died years ago, a few years ago. But I love his stuff.
0: Yeah. And obviously I know that we and you have talked in the, the past outside of the, these recordings and, you know, we both have a mutual respect and uh like for uh, Tom Savini. He, I, I oh, call him like, dude, the- I, I,
2: I, I,
1: I've i spoken to him numerous times. Are you kidding? He's, uh, he, he's mentored me in many ways with special effects. I mean, hell. I mean, he, he's, he is, he's one of my heroes. I mean, that guy's, genius you know i should have mentioned that thank you yeah he he's brilliant bar none i mean he, he's one of the best too
0: what do you like best about his uh effects do you like the do you like his more like uh, like his i like his eff- like use of like uh blood and stuff like that i think he well, like really he, captures like gore fantastically
1: i i would agree he, he's considered you know the the Wizard of Gore. I mean, he he is definitely the man who perfected gore, you know? Mm. Um, I also like his creatures, though. I mean, he doesn't get enough credit sometimes for his great creature work. But you look at, you know, Fluffy from uh, Creepshow. That was a great creature. Mm. And uh, I also was a big fan of uh, his various Oh, what was the one Tales from the Dark Side he did this one creature that scared the bejeezes out of me when I was. I remember seeing it for the first time it was like this albino looking thing and it was scary it had pink eyes and massive fangs and I'm trying to remember the name of it but it, it was genius again I mean, he, he, he is brilliant that guy and he never had a big budget but he was always someone who, who could pull off some really remarkable creatures, you know?
0: Mm. Now, what do you think of um, Troma works, like Troma Films' uh, special effects, too? Well, I, I, I think they're pretty I, good. I, at...
1: love, I, I think I told you I had a film distributed for Troma years ago. Uh, it was uh, my very first attempt at making a feature film. And I love Troma. I like what they represent, their ideology. Um, I've I've actually had lunch with Lloyd Kaufman before. So, hey, uh, I'm a big fan of Lloyd and uh, their ideology. He's kind of a descendant of Roger Corman, who I'm also a big fan of. But Troma is great. I actually was offered, but the problem was this I mean, I was offered to do the special effects in Toxic Avenger Part 2, which mm. sounds great. And I, at the time, I, I the problem I had was this. They didn't pay money, okay? So the problem is I was not a native New Yorker, and nor did I have a way to just stay up in New York while they were shooting the film. And uh, as a result of that, I really couldn't do the effect. Mm-hmm. I was friends with the guy in charge, and I bought him my effects work and he said, "Your work's brilliant and uh, he said, honestly, uh, you should be in charge, but uh that didn't happen. He wasn't going to give up being in charge, so he uh said, "I can get you a really good position on this film and I said, Well, you know' does it pay anything and of course I had to live in New York for you know a couple months, and I couldn't just Stay there without any means of staying there, and that was the main reason I couldn't take uh, the gig, unfortunately. Because I look back, I kind of think it was a mistake that I made. I should have uh, figured out a way to pull that off, because I did not, and
2: uh, mm-hmm.
1: it would have been a lot of fun just to be involved with that film. Because I really, I, I, I am a fan of Tromers. They've done remarkable things, and, and uh, yeah, they're fun they do these low budget films that are a lot of fun to watch. And yeah. I think that that's, that's not bad. The but, guy in charge that I had lunch, I, again, I got to hang out with the guy and we did lunch and I used to talk to him. I've lost touch with him over all the years. His name is Priscilla Lunes or Lunez, I guess really, because he was Spanish and wonderful person, really talented in his own, you know, and, uh, like I said, that was that was definitely a mistake I made. I should have figured out a way to
0: pull that off, you know. You know, if by chance uh, Lloyd Kaufman or somebody at Troma happening to watch this, you know, this is definitely, you know, an opportunity, you know. Definitely if you, uh, <laughs> we got a, definitely a, a talented uh, graphic effects artist and uh, makeup artist. And even like, if they wanted to put oh, out, out a graphic...
1: <laughs> yeah, they they have not on files. I've talked to them a few. They're they're wonderful dude. They, yeah, I
0: have
1: you know. He's uh, uh, you know, I I don't know if they're up to anything right now. I should you know, with all this madness going on, it's hard to say. You know. Yeah. Because I know a lot of movies have been kind of screwed up with everything, and they are located in wonderful New York, which they, New York's gone through hell right now.
0: Yeah.
1: But um,
0: the last I've heard of them is uh, it, excuse my language, because uh, the the title has a, a swear in it. But uh, it's uh Shakespeare's shitstorm is the last project I've heard from them <laughs> doing. And you know, <laughs> they always have like it, it, what I li- What I love about Trauma is like you know, it's like it's just good. Like it's just an entertaining movie to watch. Like it it may not have the highest budget, but like it has funny well, characters and it's you know, just a good movie to watch
1: is they're poking fun at movies is what they're doing. Now, if you read up on Lloyd, he actually came from a background of, um, serious cinema. You know, he was,
0: uh, he did Rocky one, I think.
1: And yeah, he also was involved with a movie called my dinner with Andre, which that cracks me up that he was involved with that. And, uh, Think if I remember right, he he did work with Roger Corman at one point too. Um, but Lloyd Lloyd's you know he's a genius. I mean I I have when I met the guy, I was completely blown away by him. He he is one of those people. You it's hard not to say wow, you know. I, I understand because I mean that's his company he started too, you know. Yeah. I mean, so he knew what he was doing. He's like, okay, we're not going to compete with Hollywood. We're going to make films that poke fun at big budget movies, you know? Like they did a film called Tromeo and Juliet. You ever seen that?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: See? But you, you know it. That's what's great about it. It's it's not a great movie by any stretch. But, man, they got some good-looking women in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Debbie,
1: was it Debbie Rochon was in that.
0: Who? I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you.
1: Debbie, Debbie Roshan, I think, was the girl's name. Mm. The central girl.
0: I think uh, a lot of people who are not familiar with um, Troma's work, uh, I, I know definitely <laughs> they've probably heard of, like, it was on Netflix for a little while. I don't know if it the still Toxic is. Toxic Avenger, right? Toxic Avenger, and then probably Night of the Living Chicken, that one. That one, yeah, everybody, I, those I, two movies I think people would know. That and Return to nukem High. It, Those three okay, movies are their forget, best.
1: Have you ever seen Sergeant Kabuki Man?
0: No, I haven't seen Sergeant Kabuki Man, but I've seen a lot of their promotional stuff. But is it good? Uh,
1: is it good? Uh, it's it's trauma
0: i see the right? i see uh andrew over there like he's, he's he looks worried because we do like film reviews on the show from time to time and he's worried that i'm gonna say hey let's watch a trauma movie after this <laughs> uh a- interview
3: <laughs> anything would be well, better I'm, than the I'm... mario brothers film you made me sit through, Cole. <laughs> oh
1: god i mean trauma isn't meant to be serious cinema it's a parody of cinema you know mm. and i think that's their genius you know, and they've managed to survive as an independent film company all these years, which I guess that means something that they managed to pull that off, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, there's really like I it, like trauma's the only like uh, um, film company that I know of that like pulls off what they do. Like, you know, there's like some YouTube independent people, but they're not as on the scale as trauma is with that. No. And it's uh, you know, you know, they have like you know indie fa- filmmakers and stuff like that, but nothing like really captures what Troma can produce and what Troma does. And it's a unique style of film, and that's what that's what I oh, really love is, about man. Truma.
1: I mean, it's 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 not you know it, you can't go in, a, but if you go in understanding that it is a parody, you're okay. I mean, I mean I think you know when you realize that this same guy made was involved with some really non-parody films, but he needed to, he figured out a niche market. Much like Roger Corman. Roger Corman was one of the first people to figure out the drive-in movie audience. And I mean, there's a guy who made, I I think 400 movies to his credit. And they were all independently financed. And, you know, there is a, Channel in France that has him come and he lectures on that channel and talks about cinema. So he is respected as a serious artist, but he found a niche audience. And, you know, hell, if it wasn't for Roger Corman, we wouldn't have had Vincent Price, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's one of my favorite actors. So, hey, I, I like Vincent Price.
0: Now you've mentioned uh, that he's able to capture the drive-in movie experience. Like, where is uh, drive-in films uh, before your time,
1: dude? They're on right now. You do know that, right? I mean,
0: like, I mean, like they're company. not few and they're like. It seems like it's more few and far between. A finding. Well, a what i
1: with Roger, what I'm saying with Roger Corman, what made him unique is he was the first guy to capture. And yeah, he was. He went back to the nineteenth. 50s he started and it's obviously way before my time but what's cool about him is he was the first guy to capture he, he fought about making films for teenagers and he was the guy to target art you know that was his target audience and man's a multi-multi-millionaire from that And he's a guy I got to talk to as well on the phone. He did the intro to my Poe graphic novel. He called me up on the phone and he said, I really like your book. I'm going to write the intro for it. And here's a guy who's been my childhood hero for a long time. And getting a phone call from him and getting to talk to him was one of the coolest moments of my life. You know,
3: was that just like an out of the blue phone call or did somebody help set that up for you?
1: Well, no, what happened was this. I sent them my book, my graphic novel, and it's called The Awakened Poe. Mm. And I said, look, if Roger Corman likes this, I would like him to write the intro. And a couple weeks passed. Then I get a phone call from his secretary, who's really awesome. I mean, I talked to her for like 45 minutes. And she said, yeah, Roger likes your book, and he's going to look it over, and if he likes it, really enjoys it enough, then he'll write the intro. So I'm like, all right, that probably means he's not going to do it, you know? Right, yeah. So then I get another phone call from Roger. He says, I'm writing your intro. I like it. I'm like, wow, that, that, that's friggin' awesome. You know, and we spoke for maybe 10, 15 minutes on the phone. It was It was pretty cool. That then really cool. the killer part, and it was perfect because I couldn't have even done, orchestrated it. The intro arrived right on my birthday. Wow. And that was like, yeah, the greatest birthday present like ever because it's, you know, one of my heroes writing my intro for my book.
2: Yeah.
0: And.
1: Uh, and it arrived in the mail, with I still have, it. you know, obviously it's signed by Roger Corman. And I'm like, Holy shit. You know, that, that's, 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 that's pretty badass. Mm. So um, that was, that, that's my brief. Now the sad part is we were, I was supposed to maybe do some art for a film that never got off the ground from Roger, but, we were talking briefly about me doing some artwork for one of their upcoming films and it just didn't happen. So, you know, I, I don't know if he's still making films now. i have to look it up and see. He's, a, he's in well into his nineties. When that, when he did my intro for my book, he was in the like his mid eighties. Mm. And um, I don't know if he's still involved with film or not, but it was nonetheless one of the highlights of my life.
0: So, Andrew, do you have a, a, f- a favorite filmmaker?
3: Do I have a favorite filmmaker? No. No, you don't? <laughs> no, nope, I'm a, I'm a student of all film. <laughs> well, not really, but uh, I, I can say the only film that I even recognized the title of that you guys were talking about was The Toxic Avenger, so <laughs> that's why I kind of was like staying quiet and letting did you, you guys did chat. You,
0: um, did you recognize it from the comic book series, or did you more recognize it from the movie itself?
3: Probably from the comic book series. I don't yeah,
0: know. I, I own the first, uh, th- I think, three okay. issues. Uh, I, I thought it's, it's, it's just as funny as the movie. Okay. I like uh, the one alternative cover for, I think it's issue three, where it's just like, ew, you smell like my diaper, and it's like the Toxic <laughs> Avenger holding <and> the kid. <laughs> I'll
1: have to check out the comic. I've never read the
2: Toxic Avenger comic.
0: Uh, if you like the movie, you're gonna like the comic. It has the same sense of humor. It must have had either one of the writers on there or the uh, somebody on the staff must have been like overviewing it because like it's very it's uh it's written in the same style the film is oh, probably just have well, like you know, diehard fans
1: They used to do a toxic Avenger or cartoon. So I'm yeah. wondering if they didn't have use some of those scripts and translate them into a comic. yeah. I, mean, I don't
3: know. Yeah, it seems that any time you have uh, like a book medium or a comic book medium that gets adapted to the screen, there's it's generally either people that worked on it um, or had some level of involvement with it or they're just really big super fans. Like if you look at the people who are producing Well,
1: ho- uh, hopefully they do a good like I I really hate it what they did with the Man of Steel film. Oh uh, yeah! Oh god! <laughs> but the... I wish. To, but here's the thing: like, Zack Snyder is one of my least favorite directors. I dislike the guy's work immensely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I do. I do like his remake of Dawn of the Dead. I thought that was good, and I liked Three Hundred, but I didn't love it because it's a film I can watch once and go, "Oh, it's cool," because it's Frank Miller. Right. The, comic, the graphic novel is a lot better. Um. Zack Snyder has no finesse with creating characters, whereas you look at Chris Nolan, who I wish to God would have done Superman, because what he did with Batman, with his whole Batman trilogy, starting with Batman Begins and ending, you know, then go into the middle one, the, the Dark Knight Rises, and the last one. Yeah, that was genius. He you know, I mean, you don't see that done in a superhero film because he took Batman and elevated him to a dramatic character. Yeah. And he made him real. You know, he made him as a, a human character, not some comic book character. He was a character of flesh and blood and flawed and you know Great actors: Christian Bale, Michael Caine, and Heath Ledger. Unforgettable as the Joker, man. I mean, he, he his Joker is by far one of the most frightening characters ever created for the silver screen. And you know that's who I wish would have been in charge of Superman, personally, because that that was one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. I think.
3: Yeah, I. Could I be wrong. I would tend to agree with you. I feel like Zack Snyder is kind of the, uh, the Michael Bay of the superhero genre. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, there's, he's, there's not much going on. That
1: I, and the other guy I don't like, and I wish they'd stop giving him the movie, is J.J. Abrams.
3: Yes. I
0: just can't. You know, I honestly thought you were going to say, um, oh, who's the guy that did Lord of the Rings? I just thrown oh, up Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson. Yeah. I,
2: I have
1: problems with Jackson. He's, he's a bad editor. He, he's very ponderous. His remake of King Kong is both brilliant and stupid at the same time. <laughs> it board- Well, no, it borders. I, I watched it three times, right, because I love the character King Kong. I think it's a great idea for a character. But the problem I have with that film Works on many levels, like you that the whole there are scenes of such great pathos, but then there are so, such inept scenes, and it bothered me a lot, you know. And it was too long, I'll be honest, it's way too long that film, and the editing was just tedious at times. Yeah, now Jackson's great visually, he is a phenomenal visual director, he is better with characters than you know, uh, JJ. Abrams or um, the other guy we were talking about Snyder, um,
0: Snyder, yeah.
1: Zack Snyder. He's much better with characters because his 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 great movies are like I, I'll tell you what I loved his documentary he did Thou shall Not Grow Old, brilliant film. I, I'd like to see him tackle more historical documentaries because that was that was a nice change of pace for him to see him tackle a real live subject and make it palpable using digital cutting-edge technology. He made it transcend that grainy old footage, and he suddenly made it pop like a real movie of today, and that's not easy to do. So the man does have talent. I just think he should probably work with a better editor because sometimes he falls in love with his own footage to the detriment of his film Mm. and that's that's his weakness but as a filmmaker he's great with characters so i'm happy about that like king kong he should have hired another editor and i think it would have been a great film
0: because there
1: are great moments in that film it's just unbalanced and i hate the unbalanced element and and the other problem i have with the film is okay you watch the original king kong it's one t-rex and that's pretty good it's a 50 foot long dinosaur it stands about 20 feet tall that's a good challenge but no now we got three t-rexes it's like it was like everything was on steroids i like it when you tone things down a little bit and minimize it it's a little more frightening so you know it, it was a good film but i think it could have made it great if you would have you know really tried not to put it on so much steroids yeah. Um, my favorite film of Jackson is still the frighteners I love that film it's a very small film but it's a great little movie and it's a lot of fun
3: now when did I've when did that it, come I, out because I, I I'm not familiar with that I haven't seen that one
1: that movie stars Michael J Fox
3: wow and okay
1: And it's a comedy supernatural comedy in the vein of ghostbusters. He's, he's he is tr- hired to track down ghost robert Zemeckis produced it and okay. he did back to the future yeah and um it's a lot of fun it's 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 just a good little fun movie it's not a it's a lot of fun i guess what i like about that movie is it's just a pure fun movie and then i'd love like i said i'd love to see him tackle more dramatic movies like you know, not grow old. That was brilliant what he did with that footage. Did you see that? No. Check it out.
3: Yeah, I definitely it's a will. Great,
1: it's a great documentary on World War One. And what he did is he took all this old footage that was grainy and scratchy and used computer digital technology and restored it and colorized it and he made it look much more contemporary and then on top of that because the footage was silent what they did using um today's technology they were able to zoom in on the um characters lips and see what they were saying so they were actually able to put dialogue into these characters mouths and it was a silent film oh wow yeah it's it's pretty fascinating it's a very a very intricate little documentary and uh the technology they employed was really fascinating so it's it's worth seeing just to check that out
3: yeah i have to I, I remember hearing the title i just forgot that he was involved with that um oh
1: yeah i mean he he loves history yeah and i'd love to see him tackle more of that stuff you know because what he did was really thought-provoking
3: yeah. Now, are you going to be watching the Beatles documentary that he's working on? I know. I,
0: I definitely am.
3: <laughs> are you a fan I of the Beatles? I love the Beatles. Yeah.
0: I mean, how can you... The
1: Beatles revolutionized music, right? Absolutely. I mean, they were the first people to use recording technology to alter music. And that's that's pretty impressive. So hell yes, I'll be watching that. Yeah, they're same. up there. I mean, The Stones might be my favorite group and the Beatles are right up there after them, you know. The Stones I friggin' love.
3: Yeah, they got some are you classics. A fan of the Stones? Yeah, I actually on my bookshelf here in our in our little studio, I have uh Keith Richards' autobiography that I've uh it's it's been half finished for years. I'm hoping that eventually this year I'll finish it. <laughs> But it's a great. Well, I what,
1: think you'll pull it
3: off. I think so. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to read a lot more. It's one of my uh, resolutions for this year. So.
1: <laughs> okay. One of my my favorite songs by the Stones is "Sympathy for the Devil." I, I think that's one of the greatest songs ever written.
3: Yeah, I would you I know? would happen to agree with you on that one.
0: Mine's uh, my favorite song by them is um, a tie between "Wild Horses" and um, "Beast of Burden." That's another
1: good. good song. Yeah. I I also love this song.
2: Time, time,
1: time is on my side. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know the work, the title. But I just happen to love that song. So I'm not going to sing anymore because I suck at singing. But that <laughs> that lyric is pretty damn good.
3: Well, that way we don't want to you violate do. any copyright laws, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Right, because Keith Richards is going to come track me down. Uh, uh,
0: I, I mean, stranger things know. have happened. We had time traveling John Lennon on. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> if
1: you got time traveling John Lennon, then hey, you know, that, that says something. Yes. How was how John doing?
0: i i I guess pretty well (laughs) yeah he he was good he was a good sport uh you know he gave us a lot of trivia we didn't know about um yeah i i I enjoyed that interview i i don't know how how much would you would
1: you you like to know anything about the the stories behind like the the storyline of any of my books i'm working on or anything like
0: that uh yeah let's uh let's transition into that um so... Because
1: otherwise we can talk about Beatles all day.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, let me talk first about my Nosferatu sequel.
0: Okay. Because
1: I, I had originally wanted, to, I mean, I, the original book, Nosferatu, The Untold Origin, I didn't do to create a book. And I was working with a really primitive computer when I drew both that and Poe. So the artwork's a little more stilted and stiff. So people seem to still love it. It got me a lot of commission. But compared to what I'm doing with these books, it's like there's a huge difference. Um, the original reason I did that book, I, I lost the ability to read from a car accident. And that was pretty rough. So I I, I had I decided to create a book to help myself read again. Mm. And then I looked at it when it was all done and I said, you know, this is pretty good. It took me like, three years to create the first one because, you know, it was pretty slow process. I have lately now from this car accident, I still have dyslexia and it sucks. Mm -hmm. But learning from scratch, all that stuff is tough. So I created that book and I said, okay, well, I wasn't going to make a a graphic novel album, but I decided, you know what, this is pretty cool. So I'm going to put it out there and then i did the poe book for the same reason but that was more just because i love poe and now i've gotten more sophisticated software and many years later uh i've decided you know what i'm I'm going to tackle these because i had a trilogy in mind Mm. so the second book is you know how this character is resurrected and he becomes messiah type character of sorts and it's a wild story it's a supernatural mystery if you will it's kind of a thriller slash mystery all rolled into one and i think people will enjoy it it's got a lot of crazy characters from various silent horror movies everyone mostly german because Nosferatu's german so the other characters are german except yeah. for the werewolf. the werewolves are just werewolves you know and um It'll be. I'm curious as to see how people enjoy it because it's been a lot of fun creating this book, and it's mm. been nearly two years to do all the artwork, and it's almost done. So that's that's the part that I'm excited about. And the children's book I'm working on my the one I offered because these are just the books I wrote. It's about a time traveler, and he goes back to various time periods and he's only 12 he invented a time machine and he wants to go talk to Einstein so he goes to see Einstein as well as go back to the days of dinosaurs and various periods in time mm. and it's the story is his adventures slash misadventures through time so again it that's more of a fun read but it does teach a good lesson to people at the end, because I always try to put something in there that will benefit people for reading it, especially if it's a children's book. Yeah. You know? And that one has about 60 paintings. That's only taken me about a year, 60 to 80 paintings. But the hard part was getting the story right. Mm. The artwork was pretty easy.
0: Now, will this story connect to your previous uh, endeavor in Billy and the Bronto? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I know it's there's it's time travel involved. Thing. I was just curious.
2: <laughs>
1: no, no, it's standalone. There, He's going to have other adventures, this character. He'll go to Atlantis in another book, and he'll also maybe journey back to when they landed on the moon.
2: Mm. So
1: those are other two adventures I'm looking at for the character. So we'll see. I, I, I like both those ideas a lot, you know? And my dog makes a cameo in the the, the kids' time travel book. So that's kind of cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do you do uh, dog, your dog now or for when he was like a puppy?
1: From now. But he's going to get his own book eventually because he just cracks me up. Because I take him all these walks and all these different – like he loves to smell flowers, which cracks me up, you know? and he does all like the first time he met a cat he didn't even get freaked out he actually looked at the cat they sniffed each other and then they laid down next to each other and it was one of the coolest moments i ever saw so i said you know what i gotta do a book on this cat this dog because he's just really interesting and um, will make for a fun subject you know but yeah. that's next theo is done and i'm happy because that's like you know, been been a good solid year, year and a half, whatever.
0: Now, where can we eventually <laughs> find these books at?
1: You can find them on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com dot com, also my website, which is NosferatuOrigins dot com. I also have a web pa- uh, uh, an offer page on Amazon, so people can look my books up on Amazon. And say, oh, that's Lou taxi, very cool. You know.
0: Now, what are the titles of all these books? Uh, just so we can give a rundown of your complete catalog that you have out available now. My
1: complete my complete catalog, okay. There's three books that I have um, been totally in charge of, and that's Nosferatu, The Untold Origin, The Awakened Poe, and Billy and the Bronto. My upcoming books include and they'll be done. The one will be out in the next month, and that's Little Men. Then the book that I authored and wrote is Theo's Adventures in Time and Nosferatu, the Untold Origin. And the last book I'm illustrating is um, it's called um, Big Bad Gene, and that's the one about the sprites. Mm. And it's kind of got kind of a spiritual meaning to it, but it's, it's funny as hell. I can't tell too much of the story until it's done because it's really funny, and I'm just pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've given um, I know I've definitely seen your work with uh, Poe because you know I've i bought it. I bought the book and you for my mom for her birthday. Oh, and, that's
1: right, man! I totally forgot you bought a copy of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, she really loved the uh, little the little witch you drawled and, uh, the happy birthday message <laughs> you gave her, you know, <laughs> I remember when I met you for it, it, it met you at Barnes yeah, and Nobles for you to do it. Noble. You're like, are you sure she's going to like a witch? And I'm like, yeah, she'll love it. And then, you know, my mom freaked out. She goes, Oh my God, I love it. And then like, you know, it's one yeah, of her favorite books to this really day.
1: I'll cool, <laughs> well, so like, so I have to make sure I give her this vampire graphic. Now this one, I can't believe I'm finally nearly done it because I've I've almost given up a few times just because of the amount of artwork involved.
2: Mm. And it's
1: still like I got to lay it out, and that's not going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) It will be fun, but it is fun. But I have to do this and, like, take long breaks because at times I look at it and say, my God, I must be crazy to try to do this, you know? But how now? What are you working on? You got any film projects going on now?
0: Not not currently. Uh, Currently, I've been just mainly focusing on the um, podcast, and I've been trying to like you know wait for the world to calm down a little bit before I start getting back into filmmaking per se, Mm -hmm. and so it's more of a thing that I'm gonna have to give time for. But you know, we got big plans for the podcast in the future. I hope Uh, Mm -hmm. if if some guests get back to me. You know that's all. It's all given. Uh, given give pull. You know, as they say, <laughs> I'm probably just butchered that saying. But uh, it's all good. <laughs> you know, uh, do you got any more questions f- for uh, Lou Andrew? Uh, the only
3: real question that I had, um, if if you could like have a bucket list project, whether it's getting commissioned to do a particular painting or write a book or work on a film project that you're you know, a big fan of, what would it be?
1: Wow. I like that. I would like to turn my graphic novel, Nosferatu, The Untold Origin, into a movie. And I'd like to do it how they're able to do animation nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to do it like with animation and make it a realistic drama, but do it all digital animation. I think that would be wild.
3: Mm, that would be pretty neat Now I
1: would just be supervising Because I don't know how to do computer animation But I'd be okay with that You know I think that would be a lot of fun And so it would be you... interesting cause that's... Go ahead
0: uh, So would it be like um, I know it's been a while since they have made like An adult animated movie Like, Would it be something similar to like how Wizards or uh, Heavy Metal was made Like it would be more catered you No know, to... I would
1: want it to look I would want it all done with computer animation And I'd like it to look on the level of, like, Lion King, but I'd want it very surrealistic. But what's great about computers, you can create any style you want. I mean, right now they're making a movie, but I don't know if it's going to get released now because it was supposed to be released before COVID. They made a film with James Dean as the lead.
2: Oh,
1: wow. Right, but he's dead, obviously. They did it all with computer graphics. Now, here's the catch to it. They didn't have a person doing motion capture like in the previous one they Mm -hmm. used to do. Now they were able to do the whole thing via computer. And they've gotten that good with the technology where they can do that. And all I know is the movie was supposed to come out like, two months after COVID, but then when COVID broke, they were like, nah. So I think they probably shelved it and are waiting till things calm down because that's something that you want to see in theater because everything I've read about that film sounds revolutionary. And the, this film studio plans to do that with other actors too, like take them from the past and have them interacting with current actors. And if you can do that photorealistically, I mean, I think that would rock. Like, I'd love to put a, have Humphrey Bogart act in a movie with, let's say, Jack Nicholson. You know? Yeah, that or would or be really not. cool. Jack doesn't even act anymore, unfortunately, but I love Jack. He's my favorite actor. Um, but that would have been badass, you know, where you get like uh, John Wayne to act alongside Clint Eastwood and, or you get uh, whatever. My point is they can do that now. and I'm really intrigued with that technology because, I mean, Lion King blew me away, the new remake because it looked like real friggin' lions, and yet the whole thing was computer animation. You know, they didn't they didn't use real lions. They couldn't shoot real lions and have them talk, but it sure as hell looked like they did.
3: Right. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Um,
1: mm. Or even did you see the movie Rogue One? Yeah. You know, Peter Cushing in that film was a computer graphic.
3: Yeah, yeah. They they used – I forget Brad the Mox actor's Party. name.
1: Or also Carrie Fisher because they had her young in that movie when she was 18. Yep. Uh, but, but she obviously wasn't 18 anymore, but they, they went in and recreated her. And I think that's really intriguing that they're capable of doing that on such a level, you know?
3: Yeah, it is. It- The technology.
1: Now, if I couldn't do it that way, I I would then have the whole film done with actors and then have the backgrounds all done digitally and put in so that the whole film would have like a painted quality, but it would all be done so in computer graphics so that the backgrounds moved with everything so it had a three-dimensional quality to it. You know, but if they said, "Oh, we can't afford your really big budget idea, but we can do it this way," I'd be like, "That's good. I'm, that's acceptable." <laughs> I always have a plan A and a plan B, you know.
0: Yeah. But uh, I, I think we hit a good point here, and uh, I think I'm gonna we're gonna wrap with that. Uh, just uh, give okay. a rundown of where everybody can find your books and your website again.
1: Okay. Uh, the website is com. That's N-O-S-F-E-R-A-T-U Origins.com. You can also just find me on Facebook if you're interested in getting any books and you can't find them. Message me and I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. Um, or you want me for commissioned art. and um, You can also find them on Amazon and, and com. Okay, guys, thank you. It was a pleasure talking with
0: you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. All right, guys, I'm the mighty coleslaw here, bringing you another installment of the mighty coleslaw podcast. I'm joined here with my ever faithful co-host Andrew, and also our guest Lou. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make sure to check him out and his books. And uh, if feel free, if you're ever so inclined, to hit him up on Facebook and on his website. Check out his books. And yeah, this is the mighty coleslaw signing out.